Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. Uh, we're going to bring Mark Spector in momentarily here. I just want to read this text from Herm, who spent years working in the Western Hockey League. He goes, Bob, can you tell me why in an exhibition game, winning 3-2 with less than five minutes to play, Zach Cassian uh, gets in with uh, Zach McEwen. Nothing to gain, uh, so much to lose. Uh, still tell the brass, you need a policeman to look after the talent. That one comes for us from Herm. Okay, well, I, I don't know if you need a policeman, and I'm going to ask our next three guests on the show today, Mark Spector, Kevin Weeks, and Mike Babcock, if you need a policeman anymore in the National Hockey League. For the horses and horse racing in Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry, live racing Fridays and Saturday nights out at uh, Century Mile, and a reminder that uh, you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Mark Spector joins us right now on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Uh, Speck, how you doing? Oh, pretty well, Bobby. How are you? Good. Are you in the building or I'm uh, not in? No, I'm not in the building today. Oh. I'm taking the day off. All right. So, uh, look, let's uh, get to uh, a couple different topics. We are going to talk about Pulleyarvi. Uh, we're going to follow up on the piece that you wrote in a second. But first, uh, you were in the building last night. You saw what happened to Zach Cassian at the end of the game. Those things do happen once in a while. McEwen was running around a bit. Canucks might say Cassian was running around a little bit too. What was your thought on, do you d- agree or disagree with Herm, who uh, is a former minor pro goaltender that played uh, worked about two decades in the WHL? Why would you uh, take that fight in that situation? And do the Oilers need to employ... Uh, a fourth-line enforcer. Your thoughts, Mark? Well, first of all, uh, no. There's no room left in the game to waste a position on a fourth-line enforcer. In, in Dave Tippett's perfect world, Zach Cassian is a third-line winger who actually helps your team play hockey. Right? So let's be straight on that. You're way better off when you have a big, tough team full of guys that can play. And then you, you've always, if, if ever, and it's a waning moment, Bob, but when the time comes that someone needs to get, you know, th- that a fight needs to happen, you've got a few guys on your team, one of them's going to be on the ice. Darnell Nurse is a great example of that. He's a really, really good player, and he's tough as hell. So, no, a fourth-line policeman enforcer in that position has been gone for almost 10 years, Bob. There's no need to have that player anymore. But I don't think that that's what Zach Cassian is supposed to be for the Oilers, right? No, he's he's a he's a third-line right wing, an energy guy that bangs, that can move up and down the lineup a bit. Mark, Curtis Gabriel was signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, and I think if the well, Leafs, I think they if, don't need that player because he can barely play. So I'm telling you right now, if Curtis Gabriel went on waivers, there'd be three or four teams that would be putting claims in on him. Good for them. 
Okay. And when the playoffs come, he's watching from the press box, I guarantee you. Maybe right? he helps ease the amount of abuse your team takes during the course. I, I mean, there aren't a lot of guys like, that's a guy that's willing that can play a little. He can play yeah. a little, right? I know what you're saying. The days of the monolithic Steve McIntyre types are over, right? We're not going to... Uh, we believe you know, that to be the case. Mark, when you saw that... Wait, 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 wait. I got one thing to say. Why do the Leafs lose in the playoffs? Because they're too easy to play against and they're too soft. Yeah. So getting one tough guy who skates around seven minutes a game all year and doesn't play when it counts is an absolute waste of time and effort. They need to get four different guys that can play that are bigger and tougher and harder to play against and that can also play the game. It, Toronto's the center of the hockey universe. If they haven't figured that out by now, Bob, Dubas is supposed to be the smartest man since Copernicus, and Sheldon Keith's the best coach since Toe Blake. And you're telling me they can't figure out they need team toughness, and they're bringing in Curtis Gabriel? How on earth, right? How on earth will Curtis Gabriel help that team win when it counts? Because he'll be in the press box, ball. Mark, it's interesting, right, with the Leafs. I mean, what a coulda, shoulda, right? If Nazem Kadri doesn't take himself out of two series, they might have won one of those ones against Boston. I'm figure still trying out, to figure out how the hell they lost to Montreal last year. Well, figure it out. Yep. Montreal was a harder, tougher team and won all the battles, and it wasn't the skill game they hoped it was. The Oilers, to a lesser extent, found the same thing, but the Oilers aren't the least. The no, Oilers and, are. And the Oilers, in fairness, like, you know, from, you could see the progress. Even though Edmonton lost in four straight to Winnipeg, three games went to overtime, there, it was, those games were different. Right? Like, first of all, Winnipeg was a better team than Chicago. Now, Chicago had the experience and the moxie and the know-how. We came out of a bubble, and we had guys that didn't even want to be here. We know that now. There were a couple guys that were playing in that, uh, uh, you know, in the bubble playing that didn't want to come back to North America, weren't that excited to come back, and uh, and it's a challenge. All right. So, as for Cassian, uh, not on the ice today, Mark. Could be out a little bit, but they need this guy back, and guess what? He doesn't need to fight all the time, does he? No, and, and you know what? Zach Cassian's a big boy and a veteran in the game. If he felt like he wanted to get a fight in the preseason, it's you know, Dave Tippett's not sending him out there to fight. Let's be very clear on that, right? The coach isn't sending Zach Cassian over the boards to fight. Zach Cassian decided he wanted to have a fight, and if he didn't want to have a fight, he wouldn't have been fighting. So, you know, the the outcome, no one likes the outcome, especially Zach Cassian. I get it. But it's, it's not like someone, you know, Ken Holland's on the radio sending a, a message down to the bench for someone to go out and have a fight. That's not how it works. Was it Don Perry whispering in uh, Mulvey's? Was it Don Perry and Paul Mulvey? Wasn't that the one where Paul, Paul Mulvey refused to fight back in the 80s for the L.A. Kings? Believe Why, because... Yeah, because Don, Don Perry, tapped, yeah, Don Perry was his coach and said, "You got to go fight." And he's like, "I'm not fighting." Yeah, and it was a big deal at the time. So, uh, we have smart listeners. We have guys texting me personally and say, "The guy you mentioned is this this guy." Like, it's interesting just how engaged people are right now. All right, Mark. Speaking of engagement level. I put a tweet out today, and it's funny the response. And I know John John Shannon said uh, made a comment the other day. Nobody could have predicted that we would have seen this. Nobody was a hundred percent sure we would have seen what we're seeing out of Polyarvi. I agree with that sentiment. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I I didn't think there, the resolution. I was concerned there wouldn't be a made in Edmonton uh, 
resolution to the situation involving Yessa Pugliarvi. I threw a name out, Henrik Borgstrom, a distressed uh, prospect for the asset for the Florida Panthers organization for Pugliarvi. I thought that Borgstrom could be a third-line center. Mark, we didn't know what the orders had with Yessa Pugliarvi last January. You and me were fighting about it. Ten, you know, five games in the season, I'm like, they should move this guy up, and you're like, they just need to be a little bit more patient. Uh, by the end of the year, I think you concede he's a complimentary player by the end of the year, last year. Right now, he's looking like an impact player, Mark. He's 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 looking like more than a complimentary player. He's had a hell of a preseason. Could anybody, Mark, have foreseen what's going on with the progression with Yessa Pugliarvi right now? Uh, you know, I would say I wouldn't say that no one could ever see it, but I think we all, you know, there's so many different levels, Bob. Here's a few things I've learned over my years. You can't always trust a coach. And I'm not taking shots at Todd McClellan, but Todd McClellan had Jesse Pogliarvi during the time when he was not ready to play in the league. The GM brought him over here. He shouldn't have. They put him in the league. They shouldn't have. Todd McClellan was the coach who was charged with running this player on all the time, a player who wasn't ready to play. And the coach got, you know, coach is trying to win today or he gets fired. So Todd McClellan ran out of patience for Jesse Pugliarvi because Jesse Pugliarvi wasn't ready to play. Truth be told, many of his teammates ran out of patience for him too because this isn't where you learn how to play NHL hockey. So the Oilers failed this guy. I would say to you, he he should have, you know, he, uh, him coming over here and not speaking any English, either he's got to learn English or the Oilers have to leave him at home, one of the two. But I don't think a 19-year-old or 18-year-old could come here and not speak the language and succeed. That's That was born out. So what do we learn, Bob? We learned that, that guys go at different paces. Yes, he's a, you know, he's taken a little while, longer than you thought. But that doesn't mean you never get there. You know, it's the old tortoise and the hare, man. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, over the course of a few years, Jesse Pugliarvi's got there. This isn't, oh, the Oilers are giving him a chance now and now he's good. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on, right? This is, the Oilers are giving him a chance, and now Jesse Pugliarvi is ready as a player and as a man to take advantage of that chance. Yeah, well, yeah, he's they, earned it. I mean, let's face it. He's earned it. He's earned it. And, and he's, he's, but they gave him that chance before to play in the NHL, and he wasn't ready, right? He couldn't earn it because he wasn't ready. So, look, here's, I was listening to Jack, and he said something smart, which is rare. Uh, I'm only kidding. But what he, what he said was, and he's so right, Jesse Pugliarvi is the rare player who got a, ch- a second chance in the same organization. Most guys like him have to go to the next organization right. to get the chance. Yes, he got. But because there was a complete regime change here, he got a second chance with a new GM and with a new head coach. And, you know, how many times did Ken Holland say to us, Bob, look, this guy, like, he just got drafted fourth overall a few years ago. I'm He's not still giving him away. Four. I'm, I'm not-, not giving him away. You know, and I don't know what the offers were. I suspect he never got a first-round pick offered for Yeti. No, no. You know, and had he, we might be ruining the fact that he's doing this somewhere else right now. But you know what? Yes, he got a second chance here with a, with four fresh eyes in Tippett and Holland, and they handled him properly. And now he's earned his spot. He's the best right winger on this team, Bob. He's not. Remember when he came and guys said, ah, play him 30 games with McDavid and let's see what happens. And he'd play 10 games with McDavid, and it was a train wreck. Remember that? So now 
He earned that spot next to McDavid. It's the way he's, it, he's Mark, here's, it. here's the difference between so Edmonton in back-to-back years has come in second in their division. Yeah. Since December 31st of 2019, they've had the sixth best winning percentage in the NHL. The difference now is you have a completely different Jessa Poliarvi to factor in from a year and a half ago, and and Zach Hyman. And those guys are in your top six, and it's the way they play. They take straight lines to the puck. They're relentless on the forecheck. They have dogged determination. They both backtrack. Uh, Hyman can penalty kill. That's a significant – and we're not even factoring in Fogel and, and, the, and the likelihood that Yamamoto offensively will bounce back from last year. They're a way deeper team up front just because Paul Yarvey's a different player and because Hyman's a, a better team. Jet. They're a better team. And, um, you know, as such, they've got a better chance, right? They've got their – this is – they did improve their team. You know, they did improve their team. I'd still like to see – I'm a little concerned that their depth guys that had to get – I think they have better depth guys, but I don't love the fact that their fourth line is – no matter of the five or six guys out there, I don't think it's a very punishing group. You know, I don't think that there's many guys in that group. McLeod is not – he's the opposite of punishing. Devin Shore is a real good player, plays for my team every day, but he's not a hard guy to play against. Maybe Colt Sevier a little bit, sure. Um, you know, the rest of the group down there, Bob, I don't see – Oh, that's fair. I'd like to see – sorry? That's fair. You know, I'd like to see a group that is bigger – and harder to play against. I get it. Rome's not built the day, but to me, that's something that, that this team still lacks. And Mark, I wonder whether or not how many of those players are left anymore. And I'm serious about that. Like we're seeing bigger guys now. They're like European big men in basketball, right? Like those guys are shooters. I mean, the days of yeah, Miko Rantanen. Right. Like I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm like. What I'm saying here, Mark, is I don't know how many of those six foot two, six foot three guys that run around and destroy guys with hits. I don't know how much of that's left in hockey anymore. Like well, that's fair, right? You know, so they're, they're, Corey Perry's kind of was kind of that guy from Montreal last year, and he's got obviously incredible skill, but he's also big. And he's, and he's a 2003 NHL game. draft choice, so he's born in '85. <laughs> he's 36 right. years of age, right? So, right. Mark, you know what? I just just as an aside, six. I'm just going to test you with a little bit of trivia here. Duncan Keith ended up. Duncan Keith led the Chicago Blackhawks. For 16 straight years in time on ice. That's a great stat. I never knew that. 16 straight <laughs> years. That's a great stat. Can you name the local product who may have attended your golf tournament? Gee. Out of okay. Spruce Grove, Alberta, that was the last man to lead the Chicago Blackhawks in time on ice before Duncan Keith. Oh, Troy Murray? No, no, no he'll no, be no. a defenseman. No, it's uh, it's a defenseman. He's got to be a defenseman. He, I, I believe he's from Spruce Grove. He's 47 years of age now, and he has not played a professional hockey game since 2007. Which is that's like, the last guy before Duncan Keith. No, Who is it? No, he did he did it no 304. Keith has led the Hawks led the Hawks uh, since the time that Keith played uh, went to the Hawks. Up from the farm in 0506, he led the Chicago Blackhawks in time on ice for 16 straight seasons. The last guy to lead the Blackhawks. 304, is it like Keith Brown or somebody? Not, not that far back for Keith Not Brown. that far back. Keep going. Uh, Nathan Dempsey. 
Oh my goodness! I would okay. have never like I looked it up. I'm like, because I, you know, I, I was I was looking up Ekman Larson, who had led Vancouver nice times seven of the last nine years, but not the last two seasons. And last year was Chickren, and the year before it was Goligoski. Because in Vancouver, the plan is basically for Ekman Larson to play about as many minutes as Quinn Hughes on the left side. And in Edmonton, Duncan Keith is going to be experiencing a different thing, Mark, at Edmonton than he's experienced ever in his NHL career. Because he's not going to be playing the most of the left shot deep. Because Darnell, well, Darnell Nurse is going to play more minutes than him. What did he you is. think of What did you think of Keith in particular last night in the pairing with Keith and Cece? Yeah, his second game was twice as good as his first. Look, I don't, you know, social media is great and everything, but making a bunch of proclamations of a guy after a guy plays his first preseason game halfway through the preseason is just foolishness. Like, give a guy some time, you know, and I think we see that. His second outing last night, uh, far, you know, he had the puck in the stick more. It got off his stick quicker and more accurately. Um, you know, he, I'll tell you what, this, a defenseman's going to take some penalties. Both those penalties he took last night, I thought the player just fell to the ground. He, he engaged the player. The guy fell over, and Duncan Keith got a penalty. So stuff happens. I get it. Uh, I thought those were two pretty weak penalties. Uh, and the one thing I'll say, having watched Duncan Keith with Chicago for all those years, the one skill that he's always had, always had, is he shoots from the point with a purpose. He doesn't have a bomb. But I don't know if anyone keeps this stat, but not many guys get pucks as successfully tipped as Duncan Keith over his career. He's exceptionally good at putting the puck in the place where a forward gets a stick on it. And we saw that last night. Was it Derek Ryan tipped that in? Yeah. Uh, just a, that to me was a. It reminded me of watching them watching Patrick Sharp or Marion Hosa tip one in Chicago all those years. Yeah, no, no. He's a look. He's a smart player. We'll see where it goes. Lots of criticism directed his way. Frankly, both That's Ekman too early for that. Both Ekman Larson and Keith. You know uh, those acquisitions. Lesser so in Vancouver because they dumped twelve million dollars back the other way and and with replacement level players. But a lot of people, well, you know, Ekman Larson didn't have very good uh, numbers in Arizona, and Keith didn't have very good numbers in Chicago. Well, guess what? If you're on the ice a bunch on bad teams that lack defensive structure and process, it's going to reflect in your numbers. That's all there is to it. No question. No question. And listen, let's uh, let's let's see what Keith looks like in a completely different atmosphere. And after a period, a fair period of time, let's assess. And if we're, you and I are talking here on December first, and he's no good, I'm going to tell you, Bob. This guy can't play anymore. I'm I'm here to tell you. Like, let's assess it. But there seems to be this need to get a jump, right? Get a jump on formulating opinion on things. I'm not here to tell you he's great, and I'm not here to tell you he can't play. I'm here to say I sense he's going to have a better opportunity here than he had in Chicago to put up good numbers. And now let's sit back and watch. It's going to take more than five games, Bob, to formulate an opinion. That's just the way it works. Mark, have a good Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Oilers Now. All right, Bobby, thanks for having me. That's Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Live racing Fridays and Saturday nights at Century Mile, 6.15 post time. You can watch and wager online as well at hbibet.com. Reminder, guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 
Coming up, and we've had to maneuver some gentlemen around. Uh, Kevin Weeks is now with ESPN, and they're doing a bunch of their interviews with some of the Eastern Conference coaches and managers today. But Kevin is going to join us for a quick hitter at about 105. Mike Babcock uh, has graciously allowed us to move him to 135. But when we come back on Oilers Now, we'll uh, get to the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. It is currently 1252 at Edmonton. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Thanks, Mike. It's 1254 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We're going to hear from Brendan momentarily. The Oilers Now injury report is brought to you daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. They are the heavy hitters of injury law. They're the best. When accidents happen, go see jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, All-star safety for the uh, Edmonton Football Club, now known as the Edmonton Elks, and won a great cup back in 1993. Here's Brendan Escott with our James H. Brown injury update. Well, Bob, it sounds like Kyler Yamamoto is out on the ice there. He's out on the ice. Okay, perfect. So I don't know what that means, but I guess we'll find out uh, when they speak afterwards as to his status moving forward. But they did already rule him out of tomorrow. Zach Cassian, you've got to figure he's day-to-day for the time being with that uh, head injury. Former Oiler Caleb Jones is going to miss the next six weeks with a left wrist strain in Chicago as well. Mm, tough break there. Uh, we got a bunch of texts. There we go. We should get to that right now on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We got about two minutes to bang off some texts right now. We're going to do so. Bob, the Edmonton Oilers should investigate re-signing Alex Chason before Vancouver does. He's much better defensively than Chason and almost as tough. And with all the injuries on the right wing, he would be a great signing. Bob, why does it seem like you're ignoring uh, Brendan Perlini's amazing preseason from Nils? Nils. Now, there was a hockey player, by the way, by the name of Nils. Nils Anton. Uh, Played for the Kamloops Blazers and the UBC Thunderbirds for Milan Drake Civic back in the day. Perlini's had a good preseason. There's no question. Five goals, six points. Uh, He's not been on the ice for an even-strength goal against. He's basically, he already had a contract. He's on a two-way deal, 750 and uh, 250. It's been pretty impressive, to say the least. Uh, this text comes from Andy, the carpet guy. He says, Bob and Brendan, I agree with Herm. The Oilers lack toughness for sure. They also lack a natural enforcer who's got some fighting skills. It seems like Peter Shirelli did some goods for the Oilers after all. Uh, JD780 says, Bob, the Oilers should sign Danbury Thrasher's legend, Brad Wingfield. I don't see... Uh, that happened. Nils has texted the show to say, Bob, another Nils. Nils Hoaglander at the Canucks as well. Yes, I think we expect him, uh, Horvat, and Pearson together tomorrow night when Edmonton takes on Vancouver in the return engagement. Keep Texas at 780-496-0063. Randy and Brooks says, Bob, make the goalies the designated fighters for the team. Lots of equipment protection. Fights would be epic. Smith would be the league champ, and the fans would be entertained as well. Is there anything more? I mean, come on. People love it when the goalies fight. There's no question about it. They love it. Absolutely love goalies fights. Who who doesn't like a good goalie? As long as it's fair and close. Uh, Bob, I heard you were labeled a Paul Mulvey type. Uh, young lookalike for the Strathcona Warriors circa early 1980s. No stats kept on that. Uh, well, Paul Mulvey was about six foot four. 
and was a better junior player than I even remotely had a chance to be. So, because uh, I was not good enough to play the WHL, 12-team WHL. Now I'm going to have to look up Paul Mulvey's numbers. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update at 12.58 with Eileen Bell. A quick hitter with Kevin Weeks, Mike Babcock, also still to come on today's show. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.